Okay, I'm gonna start it over. My name is Adam Farrell, and you're listening to the sweet, smooth tones of the Music Video Land podcast. This time, my mic is actually plugged into my computer, and uh, this is the Music Video Land podcast brought to you by your super good friends at FilmedInsert.com. Uh, like I said, I'm Adam, and then with me from uh, his home in Florida is Douglas Klinger the third. Hi, Doug. How you doing? Uh, super good. Like you just said, we your friends are kind of took the air out of my super good but whatevs hey it's okay, it's how, okay. How, well, how are you adam i'm very good because we you know usually we talk about music video news or some music video topics uh but we're going to talk a little bit about you know ourselves this podcast which in turn is music video news because filmed insert filmed insert should become synonymous in your head with music videos that's right, and this is a big podcast for a number of reasons. Number one is we have a really fantastic music video director on the podcast today, and that is Mr. Lex Hallaby. Um, Doug and I, way back in March, we went to the um, Doomsday screening, and we saw I think the last video they showed. No, no, not the last. Toward the end was the uh, video for a song called uh, Hallways by a band called Islands. Um, which is a really great video um, featuring some puppeteering work, uh, which is interesting and rare in the music video world nowadays. And uh, we thought we'd get in contact with him because the rest of his work is really um, interesting, uh, really fantastic work, such as the Piranhas Club by Man Man, um, as well as a National Disgrace by Atmosphere. And he has also done uh, some really interesting work um, using music videos as part of some campaigns or some uh, marketing campaigns uh, for uh, Disney as well, some other groups. So if you go to the show notes, um, check out his website. He's got all some links. And actually, um, if you, I really recommend going and checking out his, he has some little uh, videos of him talking about all sorts of different projects that he's worked on. Um, because he's he's really has a lot of experience in incorporating music videos into uh, mar- you know marketing interactive marketing campaigns. So uh, really interesting conversations with Lex uh, coming up in the second half of the show. So make sure that if you just usually listen just for me and Adam talking and ignore the interviews, stick around for this one because it's a good one. It's always a good one. We we have uh, I think I posted on the blog. Uh, last week that it was our 50th podcast anniversary last podcast yep. and it was interesting looking over the uh, list of people because we've had a really fantastic list of people when we started the podcast yeah, no, 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 don't we have, let me just say don't get me wrong yes every interview is great but this one is particularly great if you're listening now and you hear my voice listen to this interview too 
That's all I'm saying. But back, to, let's back, let's go reminisce again. Because yeah, that first, <laughs> we didn't know where we'd be. Ep one. Well, I don't we think. We were like, what is this? Well, I think when we started the podcast, we didn't really know anything about the music video industry. I think names that are really familiar to us when we started, you know, like uh, Hiro Mirai or, you know, Ryan Reichenfeld, uh, you, know, you know, Isaac Ravi and Shankara, some of the people who were kind of the first um, guests on the podcast. Um, I'm just looking here at the, the list chart, like Ryan McNeil, Isaac Rents, Yoram Benz, Ben Barnes were a few of the uh, early guests. We didn't really know who they were. Um, you know, we knew we knew their work, but we didn't really have a sense of the whole music video community. Um, now, you know, we've been at L.A. a few times. A lot of the, you know, a good number of people on the list uh, we've met or, or Doug has met. And we've gotten to really uh, get a feel for what's happening in the music video community. It's, it's really exciting because it just keeps uh, growing in terms of uh, the creativity. Uh, I think the enthusiasm of people who are making music videos and the people who are watching them, it's just that, you know, the industry is really experiencing a really um, interesting resurgence. And, and due to that resurgence and because of the fact that we, we saw what was going on within this industry when we when we started it was just for funsies but now that it isn't now that we've seen what's what's going down in the industry we've got firsthand look some experience uh <laughs> we've decided that um we're not leaving that's right because yeah as Doug said this was a side project at first uh side projects are usually good to keep them as sort of small things um, like a, as a developer, a lot of people's side projects are, you know, code, libraries, things like that. Um, I was a little naive to take on an entire, you know, massively complex database as a side project, but it was something that Doug and I were both really interested in. And, you know, Doug and I, for the past, you know, since the site has started, have had side jobs. And starting pretty much now, we are both taking a shot at doing Filmed Insert full time, which we're very excited about. Insert clapping sound effect here <laughs> because we're super excited as as we can tell you guys are even though this is not a live broadcast and even though you could be listening to this at any time of the day uh, we could feel your energy and excitement even now and so we appreciate that energy and excitement and uh, we're doing it for you guys because we love you wow you can really sentimental there I mean I'm, we've this these are lives. <laughs> these are lives, Adam. If we're not sentimental, we've already lost. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, what does this mean for people who are fans of the site? Well, number one, it means that you are gonna see a lot of changes. And the changes will revolve around things that we didn't have the resources to do before. First and of all, every time you sign onto the site, it's seventy five dollars. <laughs> So, yeah, we're doing an immediate monetization plan. You get $75 per reload, so be gentle. <laughs> Before you even see anything, there's a pop-up that, that well, first there's a porn pop-up. Yeah, course. right. Just and then on top push, of that is that. is the is is an unsecured credit card form. Right. Um no, Unless what <laughs> CCs. 
Um, you know, what we're doing is we're, you know, first, we, let's be very, very clear and honest. No money. Everything <laughs> is none of that is changing. No, nothing is costing money. Um, right. So what we're doing is, you know, rolling out some things that cost uh, not cost, but, you know, are resource intensive. So things like, you know, um, taking a look at music videos are coming out during the day and, you know, showing you guys what's happening now. Um, and also, uh, and an increased focus on your interactivity with the site. Um, what that means is, you know, uh, two things. One is, you know, as a fan um, interacting with the site, we've got some really exciting things in store, as well as, you know, if you are somebody in the music video industry interacting with the site, if you, um, you know, have a music video you want to get up on the site, if you want to correct information, if you want to add information, things like that. So, those things, uh, which, you know, when Doug and I were just kind of doing this in our off time, were not really possible, are now possible. So we're excited to roll those out. And for people who are listeners of the podcast, of course, we're definitely continuing the podcast because we're complete classic narcissists and we love to hear ourselves talk. Um, so we'll continue on with doing that and getting uh, great interviews and uh, and doing the best to bring you the this, this super cool, smooth, uh, doing super good sounds of, of me and Doug every week. Yeah, and also, uh, you may have become a little familiar with our blog, as we've spoke about a little bit on, on the podcast a bit. Well, guess what? That's going to be gearing up a few octanes, octaves as well, right? Yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, <laughs> Look out for more blogging. So everything, loves blogs. everything all around, you know, time is uh, is uh, you know so important for making something successful. And uh, we're we're a few things have happened for us in terms of you know being able to do this. So we're really excited to be able to pour the full resources into there. And um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. The, you know the the the. Um, Listening back to the first episode, you know, 50 episodes ago in February of 2011, I think, you know, the, the site was uh, extremely tiny in, t- in terms of the code base and the sophistication of the system. And uh, we've we've grown leaps and bounds and we're, we're looking to grow many more. So st- stick with us, everybody. Enjoy. Uh, and if and if you enjoy the podcast, like I shamelessly was plugging on our, the blog post about the 50th podcast, Go on iTunes and then uh, give your credit card number to iTunes right in the text, right in the comment box. Yeah, um, just type in your CCs and uh, no, but do we love love from <laughs> on in in the posts on uh, iTunes is, and uh, so give it to us there and also everywhere else and uh, thanks in advance. <laughs> um, so now let's get back to the business of music videos. This is what we are here for. More importantly, uh, not about ourselves, not about self-promotion. No, we don't care about self-promotion. We care nothing. Yeah, and actually, we should also mention that next week's episode is going to be a little bit of self-promotion by Doug, because we're going to be talking about the OMG everywhere, with Doug, which Doug just came back from last week. So if you're uh, listening to the podcasts, wondering uh, where that topic is, we're going to do a whole show on it next week. Um, yep, but that's we, right. It's going to be a good one. So we are going to talk right now to Mr. Lex Hallaby, who is a director extraordinaire. And like I mentioned before, he's got some really uh, great work, some stuff we're really big fans of. 
go check it, it out his uh, filmed insert page on uh, in the show notes. We'll link to it from there. And then, uh, like I also mentioned before, there will be a link to his website where he talks a little bit about um, Into the Camera, which is um, fun. A lot of directors don't do that, kind of explain what they're what they're doing in a little kind of um, monologue. Uh, but he talks a little bit about uh, his work with interactive marketing campaigns and campaigns that have multiple components, but one of them is a music video and how that kind of works into there and his experience in the industry uh, working with that kind of material. So check it out. Here's our interview with music video director, Mr. Lex Halliday. Lex Hallaby. I'm a, a director. Um, I've done everything from music videos to commercials to to interactive. And you know, you like you mentioned, you have experience both in you know music videos that would be just considered sort of traditional music videos, where they are you know just you know the videos themselves and kind of self-contained units, as well as music videos that are part of you know larger marketing campaigns. Um, how did you? kind of find yourself in that space, you know, working with, you know, Nickelodeon and Coca-Cola and these large brands in, in, you know, in a marketing capacity? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been interesting. Th- those projects, um, my, my, my reel is pretty, pretty diverse. Um, and, and I kind of balance some of those larger projects that are tied into to brands or into television, um, with, uh, smaller, more personal, um, projects. But th- those come about um, through a variety of ways. Usually, uh, it's, it, it, the jobs have come in um, from agencies that are familiar with my um, my music video work. Uh, in the case of Nickelodeon, they released through uh, through Sony, so those those jobs were commissioned um, between um, Sony and Nickelodeon themselves. So, uh, you know, I think uh, I think they um, it's definitely part of a part of larger campaigns, and it sort of sets up a whole other. Uh, a whole other workflow, but uh, but they're they're rewarding in a different way. So um, yeah, I try to balance them out. And how defined is that line between the the three things you mentioned? You do music videos, commercials, and and interactive. And you've also, I mean, some of your videos can kind of be labeled as all three. Like in the case of the the Jasmine V video, um, is, is there a defined line between each of those three things, or or is it pretty blurred? Um, it's pretty blurred, and it's getting more blurred to be honest. Um, especially between music videos, commercials, um, and, and now interactive is starting to creep in. Um, but uh, you know, we each of the projects sort of have their own degree of uh, of crossover, and you know, um, be, between those categories. Um, you know, I, I think I think at, at the at the core, you know, it's still about kind of creating something that is. Uh, you know, fun for the user to to watch or or to uh, or to interact with. Um, so a lot of times the goal is the same. There's just different ways about about uh, going about it and uh, different technology being being used. Now you have uh, another unique perspective, which is you've been making music videos for a while. And the earliest we one we have in the database for you is 2006, the National Disgrace Atmosphere video. Um, and you know, around that time, YouTube was very new, and there was you know there wasn't a lot of outlets for video 
online there. When you made a video in 2006, you know, at that time MTV wasn't really playing a lot of videos. Where where was the sort of the intended destination when you finished something like that? Um, man, I mean, I'll tell you, when I started in videos, yeah, the, the, the way to get a video online, uh, this is this is a true story. I mean, the way that I, that I started out getting videos online was basically uh, I found a website which was like Yahoo used to kind of be one of the few places where videos were shown, part of Yahoo Music. Um, so I looked up an address for them. Uh, and after I shot videos, I, I would go and I would make uh, a beta dub of it and ship the tape to them. And four to six weeks later, like they will, they had ingested it and it was like up on the Yahoo Music <laughs> website uh you know that's what it was when i awesome. when i had started making videos and that wasn't even that long ago but it just kind of like goes to show how now it's just it's like instantaneous i mean we're delivering and oftentimes delivering and posting sort of at the same time um but uh but yeah it's changed it's changed a lot sort of the immediacy and um and and sort of the community built around it the, the idea of you know commenting and sharing and all that with social media has has definitely grown and, and has helped a lot. Um, I kind of wish the atmosphere video was done uh, now because uh, a lot of people haven't seen that video. I'm, I'm really proud of that one. And uh, I think part of that was just the distribution channels back then were, were much more limited. It did get a little bit of play on MTV2 as part of like 120 minutes. Um, but uh, they actually, I think they put my, the, the producer's name as the director. They didn't even get my name on it. So I never really got much love from that video. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I guess if, you know, if, uh, they accidentally got your name wrong on the little blurb that goes at the beginning or the Chiron at the beginning, and that was pretty much it. That was kind of canonical. Yeah, that's it. That's it back then. It's like nobody could ever trace it to you. That was that was like the only way. Uh, and even then, it's like uh, you know, if they did see your name, going about contacting you uh, was was much harder than it was now. And again, we're not even talking that long ago. What six years ago? Um, mm -hmm. But. Uh, I mean that video, I guess, was done maybe a little bit earlier than that, but it kind of um, it kind of hit the web six six years ago, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely times have changed. <laughs> I mean that was shot on film too, I should say. Oh really? Uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Now with uh, I mean it's, to people who haven't seen it, um, it's it's a video shot in, in extreme slow motion, around five hundred frames a second, uh, and this was prior to to, to HD. Um, uh, phantom cameras and things like that. So we were using an Action Master 500, 16 millimeter shot at 500 frames a second. Uh, so we shot, I think, I think about three hour, three hours of film, I think. But that was pretty much doing one take per shot with no playback, not knowing whether you got it or not. Um, so it was, uh, it was a challenge and an experiment. But, but I'm happy with how it turned out. And I can't believe that you would, that that's the first instance we've heard of actually sending in a tape to a website to put it up. <laughs> um, that's pretty incredible. Uh, and then, you know, take it all the way to, um, you know, we, we actually were in L.A. in uh, the end of March and saw the hallways, uh, you know, by the islands video in a theater, which was really fun. It was kind of a different experience to see that music video in a theater. And we wanted to ask you about that because... Um, the, the sort of the, the production or inception of that that concept and the uh, you know you know basically the production process is I guess is what I'm what I'm getting at because it's such a you know unique kind of claymation or puppetry I was just wondering how um, how that video was made basically um, yeah that, I've gotten that question quite a bit and um, 
and I'm glad. I mean, that it, it, it's a question I like to hear. It's uh, it was done with puppets, um, but the idea was to sort of uh, blur the lines a little bit, so it's not easily recognizable. There are some puppetry videos that sort of go out of their way to show that it is puppetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're seeing seeing the rods or even the puppeteers in some instances. Um, but uh, me and my my co-director Tobin on the, on that job. Um, had had decided early on to 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 do puppets, but to uh, hide the fact that it was done with puppetry. Um, one of the ways that to do that is to get really good puppeteers. Um, we we're working with with uh, a group of great puppeteers um, that has sort of helped us blur that line. Uh, we also shot with a small shutter, um, so that that helps make it feel like stop motion in a way, um, because each frame is a little bit more crisp. Don't see the blur, so it makes it feel a little bit more like single frames being shot. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that puppet stands just a few feet tall, um, and all the all the instruments are, are just a couple feet tall. We shot it on a miniature stage, um, and then we um, composited Nick, the singer from Islands, uh, onto that stage. We sort of matched all the angles and extrapolated from a miniature to to real life to put the camera up across the the sound stage on the green screen and. And shoot everything from the same perspective. Um, so when they're blended together, it kind of creates this um, this sort of hybrid, weird, can't quite put your finger on it uh, aesthetic, which which uh, we're really happy about. That's that's exactly what we are going for. And for a and maybe I'm just showing my ignorance about the the band Islands, but are there other members in Islands beside the the, the actual singer? Yeah, there are. Um, although Nick, you know, Nick writes the music and, and he's sort of the 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 front man and 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 the face of the band. Um, he was uh, he was in um, Unicorns um, prior to prior to uh, forming Islands. Um, and when so, you uh, sorry, go ahead. No, so I mean, when it came around to to doing the videos, it was a close collaboration with Nick, um, sort of through every every step of the process. Um, I had known him before, met him a few times because he has a, a project called Mr. Heavenly with the, uh, with the singer from, from Man Man who I've worked with um, quite a bit over the years. So, um, so it was a close collaboration. It wasn't uh, just like an open brief that all these different directors were working on. It was us having conversations over the course of a, a couple months um, to its fruition. Well, there's this, there's this kind of great tradition in, or fun tradition in music videos of um, you know, a human singer playing with, you know, non-human or, you know, other elements that are musical elements, but aren't other members of the band. So I've, I've always wondered if, you know, you make a video like this, did the person who's the drummer, is he going to get a little angry at all that his he's kind of being replaced by a skeleton in a video like this? Or because of that close collaboration, is that not really an issue? Uh, I don't think it was an issue on this one. I think um, I think from the get-go, the idea, the original idea didn't have Nick in it. Um, and then we decided, you know, that it would be great to have him interacting with them. Uh, just even before the concept was really written, we were talking about doing something just with without him in it. And par- part of that was logistics because he wasn't going to be in town. Um, but then once he was, we worked him into it. And then, uh, you know, I think... Um, I think there was a little there was a little bit of a conversation towards um, after shooting actually all the performance and skeleton stuff about including the rest of the band in the in the bookends basically like in the intro um, coming across this record player um, but but in the end you know we had a conversation about it Tobin and I and we and we decided that 
it would feel a little bit strange um, because then why is Nick the only one in human form in the video? And also we wanted to kind of create a creepy atmosphere and uh, and to have a whole whole band of guys um, walking and discovering this thing just uh, didn't really feel right for, for the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that Adam mentioned that we saw the uh, island, the island's hallways video um, at the uh, while in LA because actually every time I go to LA, I, I go to some event where where one of your videos gets screened. Uh, the the last time I was there, they I was at the LA Music Video Festival and they uh, your um, Man Man Piranhas Club video was was uh, sh- shortlisted at the event. And uh, I, I was wondering, are are these you know festivals and screenings part of what like a way that you're trying to help promote your work, or is that something that that you're not really a part of, and 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 the in the production company is more involved with because your your work actually turns up in a, in a lot of different film festivals and 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 kind of screenings and events like this. Is that is that something that comes from you? Uh, I think it's a combination. I mean, I've definitely been um, approached. Sometimes videos they go up online, uh, they get picked up by blogs, and and there are film festivals that reach out and say, hey, we'd like to include you um, in this festival. Um, but then another side of that is uh, is submissions from me or from uh, from my company, um, from my, from my reps, from Danielle. Um, it for me it is it is a lar- uh, part of a larger strategy because um, ultimately I, w- I do want to do narrative um, and I do want to to screen uh, my narrative work at film festivals. And my experience is um, you know that that through music videos since that's where I've come up, it's a good way to start building those relationships having a reason to be at the festival, to meet uh, the judges, the organizers. So when the time comes, um, when I have something narrative uh, that, that I'd like to get out there, uh, those relationships are already in place and it makes it a lot easier. And, you know, the video Doug mentioned, the Piranhas uh, Club, uh, or the Man Man Piranhas Club video is one of our favorites. It definitely has that narrative element to that. I was wondering if you could... Um, Clues and as some of the, or if there was any sort of inspirations for that, you know, obviously it's kind of harkening back to these um, times of, you know, in the 50s, kind of greasers and bikers, things like that. Was there any cinematic inspiration that you guys drew from for that? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. There was, um, you know, I, I, I had had a conversation with Ryan, the, the singer um, of Man Man, and, you know, his, his music has a little bit of that crooner sensibility to it. Um, it ha- it has a little bit of that that vintage that retro vibe, um, and you know this this idea of greaser kids just kind of came into into my mind, and we almost work backwards into the the inspiration of Crybaby, the John Waters film that shows up in the intro. Um, we we had some conversations about what that film should be and and what would best represent, but but yeah, it was uh, it had kind of started with with the music in that case. Um, from kind of a, a look standpoint, there were a few things that had inspired me, one of which was um, Terrence Malick's new movie, um, Tree of Life. So Tree of Life, like one, one of the things that, that sort of had inspired it was, was Tree of Life, and that was because uh, the way that that film was shot was, was almost entirely shot from the eye level of the kids. Uh, and that's something that I'd spoken about um, with my DP, Johnny Ching that I wanted to shoot everything from these kids' eye level. Um, and so sort of the whole world is seen from four feet off the ground. Um, of course, Johnny was a trooper and, uh, like, you know, was basically pulling his back out every day on the job trying to hold the camera at that height. 
shooting off his knee. But uh, but the but, but that idea I think kind of paid off in making the world feel real and making it feel like we're we're in these kids' worlds rather than kind of looking down on them because. Every time uh, people see the kids in real life, uh, they came out to the Los Angeles Film Festival, for example. People are kind of shocked at how small they really are because they don't, <laughs> they don't, because of our high heavy story shot than that, you know. Um, but beyond 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 tree of life, um, of course, there's there's other uh, other references with, with kids in, in cinema that we pulled from. But uh, but yeah, I would say it's a it's a little bit of a little bit of a mix. And and I was wondering about the uh, logistics of of these kids because they're they're doing some pretty uh, crazy stuff uh, in the video. Is uh, how much of it is it was pre planned and how much of it is like you kind of stumble upon a cat and it's like all right, which one of you guys is willing to pick this dead cat up? I mean, is it is it kind of a little bit of both or or is it primarily planned out? It's definitely a little bit of both. Um, it's really hard to plan stuff with a group of eight year olds. Um, because especially when you're shooting out in the desert across three days on a micro budget, I mean this job was micro micro budget, so we were just getting by. Um, and yeah, I, I did write out a long list of vignettes um, that I wanted to shoot. Um, you know, arrange them into a schedule. Always had a plan B. Um, we were uh, shooting all over, uh, you know, the desert community of Lancaster, Palmdale, and. Uh, and so, so just knowing that we may not get a location, we might get kicked out of a location, there might be issues with shooting there, we kind of had to have a very flexible production plan, um, which will, you know, basically make my hair turn gray throughout that whole shoot, because it was very nerve-wracking to just not know whether, you know, certain key pieces of your, your project are going to uh, are gonna come together, or if you're gonna have to be doing something else for for the next day, and uh, we definitely had a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, there was there was some stuff we just didn't get time to shoot, certain locations we just couldn't get um, on the day. But uh, we always had another plan. We stayed mobile, and our crew was just like four or five people. So um, so it was it was easy to all hop in the minivans and move somewhere else if, if something wasn't working. And the other video, one of the other videos you've done for Man Man Rabbit Habits, uh, has a really well-known cast. You've got um, Fred Armisen, who since Portlandia has really become sort of a um, really big Charlene Yee, obviously, and then Martin Starr. Um, I was wondering when when you have uh, you know videos that have a like a cast like that and has that kind of narrative comedic element to it. What difference does it make in terms of the visibility that you guys get? Um, in terms of views, in terms of blogs picking you up, does the does you know just like a feature film, does the cast of a music video have a, a big difference? Um, I think that that that's definitely the case. Um, that that you know, having a celebrity or a name in in a project increases visibility. I think there there's a lot of uh, you know celebrities, a list actors. Uh, that that want to be in music videos to um, to kind of I don't know maybe combat a uh, an image uh, issue they're having or uh, or just to associate with like a really cool indie band uh, and then some that are just like what the fuck I have no idea why they're in this project that happens to it's kind of a double edged sword but uh, but in the case of um, of the Man Man Rabbit Habits video um, yeah I think I think it definitely it definitely helped. Um, I, I know it was picked up and, and covered pretty well um, by different blogs. Um, you know, it uh, it definitely doesn't hurt uh, as long as they're the right people for the project, um, and as long as uh, as long as they're um, 
you know, the 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 project should be able to stand alone outside of them. But uh, but yeah, beyond that, sure, it definitely helps with publicity. There's just so many videos posted every day um, to really kind of rise above and get some media attention. Sometimes uh, sometimes having that that name in there will just pique somebody's interest. It seems like the uh, what the fuck am I doing on this project uh, from an actor's point of view uh, or, or from a director's point of view comes from experience in your case. Is that is, am I reading that right? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, honestly, like everybody that I've worked with has been great. I haven't had any sort of um, problems with celebrities or or uh, or talent on, on my jobs. Um, they've all wanted to be there. They've all done a great job. Um, but I do sometimes see music videos um, you know, that when I do see a certain celebrity in it, I just, it, it doesn't click. Like it, there's not, um, there doesn't feel like there's a natural connection between that person and, uh, and the band or the music. Um, so that disconnect can be like a real kind of turnoff. Then it just seems like you're, you're sort of, uh, pouring it up for views. Um, but if, if they're involved in the creative process and, and they definitely, it feels like they belong there and it, serves the project then by all means like it um it can definitely help uh elevate visibility it's it felt like fred armison and charlene you really were really had a part in creating that that video or that or at least that opening or the scenes between them uh yeah absolutely um they they were they were a huge part of that um you know myself charlene and uh, and ryan kind of ran through the the script charlene uh, sort of had done um, you know, the first draft or the bulk of that writing in that intro. And then we riffed on the, on the set, you know, we tried a few different things. There was definitely some improv. Um, I mean, when you have Fred Armisen there, who's one of the best, uh, improvers and, and sketch, uh, comics, you know, he, why not use his talents? And we played with things and tried different things and he was great. It, it, it was great. Um, and uh, I honestly, the, everybody on that set was was down for the project 100 percent and uh, and put their all into it. I mean, look, you never even see Martin Starr's face in that project. And he was down for it, <laughs> you know, two, two nights, two nights and a day, basically, of work um, without even seeing his face. So I can't thank him enough for uh, for, do, for doing that. You know, that's how you know somebody's down. It's not like, well, when do I to take off my mask and have my big scene, you know. <laughs> and and about like a, a collaborate, you know, collaborating with uh, with other people. Um, a couple weeks ago, we we had Hank Friedman on the show, and he's someone who uh, frequently edits a lot of your work. Um, and uh, he he didn't say that you did this specifically, but he mentioned that uh, oftentimes, you know, the directors who who use him to edit their work are constantly over his shoulder, right there with him, and making sure that you know it's going going their way. Is is that kind of your your style, or are you more kind of like put it in the hands of the editor and let them kind of do their thing, and, and then you just make your tweaks in the back end? Um, for editorial, it, it depends. Um, I, I really do like working with Hank, and he is um, on a short list of editors that I use and that I trust to to understand and to handle the material. Um, you know, I, I come from an editing background in that I, I cut videos for my own videos, um, uh, for the probably the first half of my career for the most part I cut them myself um, so I, I kind of uh, I, I definitely do have quite a bit of input in that but uh, what I like to do coming into editorial is 
basically lay out uh, the story I'm trying to tell, the, the beats I'm trying to hit, sort of an outline, like, okay, at this chorus, I just want to be in this section, you know, in the bridge, that's where this changes up, and, uh, you know, in the final chorus, boom, we're back into this. You know, so I like to give that, and then I like to see what the editor does so they can surprise me. I don't want to micromanage from the very beginning because then, you know, then you're basically just telling somebody what buttons to push. You're not allowing them to look at the material and see something that maybe you didn't see because um, they're a little bit more objective. So I think it's a combination. Um, I think if you ask editors about me, they would probably say I'm pretty hands-on, but I like to think I at least give them like, a first pass before I come in and start to really go through it with them if there's stuff that I feel isn't working or um, or stuff that uh, that they surprise me with that I want to do more of. Now I wanted to ask also about you know you have some videos in your canon like the Dancing Crazy by Miranda Cosgrove also known as iCarly as well as the Kimberly Caldwell video which you know when you look at the other artists you know in that you worked with you know like atmosphere um and man man they are definitely of like a different genre um i'm, I'm just wondering in terms of the the process behind a video like dancing crazy which is you know definitely has more of like a pop feel to it um and something like Piranha's Club, which is, uh, you know, much more n narrative. Is there a different process? Does it go faster or slower be because you are maybe working with more management? Um, what's, the, what's the difference in process there? Yeah, I mean, the, the process for, for, let's say, those two jobs is, is totally different. Um, it, goes, it goes faster with the big pop video, actually, um, than it does with a small indie project at least in my experience. And that's, um, and that's because, uh, because of money and logistics. I mean, there's more money, so you can pay everybody, you know, better rates and get stuff done. And, uh, you know, immediately, like you can get the location you want because you throw money at it and you have it, you know, two days later if you need it. Um, but, you know, and there's also just delivery dates. Like with Nickelodeon, um, they have a premiere date. It has to go live on that date. Um, that can speed up the editorial process, having that deadline. Um, sort of everybody needs to uh, adhere to, to a very strict schedule. Um, on the kind of indie projects where there aren't as many deadlines, uh, it takes a lot more pre-pro because there's not big budgets. It takes um, maybe more kind of scouting and looking for the right location that's going to let you shoot there for, for nothing. Um, so it's a longer process, um, but, but one that, you know, um, maybe has a little bit more creative back and forth. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're different in their own way, obviously in the, in the final product as well, but, um, the processes, uh, probably couldn't be more different. And you know when you you when you're working with sort of a demographic when you're working on either a video or sort of an interactive project with um, with Nickelodeon, um, you, you're working with people or you're working with a demographic that really haven't come up with watching music videos on TV or watching music videos on any other medium other than the internet. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about you know moving into that interactive space of. Um, you know, including a music video as part of an interactive marketing campaign that has, you know, different tiers to it. Um, and what the effectiveness of including sort of a music video in that mixture is. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what, what I've always said is, um, 
you know, okay, music videos now, their primary distribution is not on television. Um, and if it's not on television, it's not on broadcast, it's no longer a one-way street. Um, people aren't sitting back passively um, watching television and different videos coming across. They're seeking them out. Um, they're viewing them on devices that are built for interactivity. Um, so why are they still um, just a passive viewing experience? Why is there not an ability for the user to, to engage, to interact, to pull in personal information, to use it in the video? Um, and I think that's starting to dawn on record labels and, uh, and on tech companies um, that, that there is an opportunity here and there is kind of a win-win for, for the user and for the, for the artist. Um, so so that's, that's definitely something that is evolving um, and more and more people have expressed interest in it. I think the, the, the difficult part of it is, um, is that it usually requires more lead time and R&D than uh, the music industry uh, has built into sort of their, their cycle. Usually by the time they know what the radio single is, it's too late to do the R&D to really push the limits on the interactive side. So it kind of has to be a coordinated um, venture where either you're developing, developing a technology and then applying it to an artist or you're coming up with a concept far in advance uh, and can start working on it. Um, so by the time everything is shot and, uh, and delivered, it can be a, a applied to the project. Um, so that's kind of like a little bit of the hurdles that, that um, people are facing now with it. But, uh, but you know, I, I have hope for it in the future. I think, uh, I think it's definitely like a growing area and something that really interests me and uh, gets, my, gets my brain going. Uh, and artists as well seem seem to really be uh, into some of these interactive concepts that I've been pitching. And, and as a director, where do you kind of fit into the whole, um, you know, kind of execution of, you know, almost specifically the, you know, what happens within the HTML5? I mean, are you kind of pitching ideas that you think could work within the HTML5 and then, you know, there are developers who then try to make it work or are they giving you, you know, tools that you have to work in to the narrative of your music video, how does how does that work for you as a director? Um, I think it's different from project to project, but but I would say that I, I work very closely with um, with the the tech side uh, of the company. Um, you know, they they will uh, they will tell me when something is not possible. I mean, I pitch things um, where you know they they just don't feel like it's possible with where you know the technology is now. Uh, and then other times I will find out from them, like, hey, what is kind of the cutting edge right now? What is something you've never seen done that you know is possible? Uh, and have that conversation and then find a way to uh, to pitch that and work with, you know, a, a music video that, that would be right for that technology. Um, so it's a little bit of a back and forth. Um, you know, that conversation has to always be open because you don't want to get stuck behind the eight ball. Uh, and not be able to um, to execute a concept because the technology hasn't gotten to that point yet. And as a director, you're used to sort of working with technical people, you know, directors of photography, photography editors, you know, that kind of class. And as you mentioned, it's different once you get into with developers. Is there something you can see changing on the technical end in terms of development teams or development process that would allow you know music videos to adapt more easily to kind of the, the, the common timelines that music videos need to have for these interactive projects? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess what what I'm seeing, the the thing that I can see affecting uh, the timeline the most is the money coming from the tech companies rather than from the record labels. Because if a tech company wants to set aside money to show off um, maybe some new code that they've written, um, you know, and they're coming to the record labels saying we have X amount of dollars, what artist is right for this? Um, the record label is then maybe a little bit more uh, able to to find the right artist in advance uh, for that money, rather than um, getting your music video brief and it's saying, okay, we need to shoot this video in three weeks. We need treatments in three days, um, and then you know you having to write in technology knowing that they're not going to be able to implement that uh, by the shoot in three weeks. So, um, you know, I, I think that, that where, where the money comes from will dictate the timeline in a little bit in, in most cases. And that was the case with Jasmine V. It was, it was Microsoft, uh, specifically Internet Explorer, that was putting up the money for that. So they had plenty of lead time um, to do the R&D and to, uh, to kind of develop the, the tech around the experience. And last question, are you are you now under any obligation to use Internet Explorer? Uh, legally, no. <laughs> no obligation. Uh, still, the, the, that team is great, and I was actually just uh, meeting with them at, at, uh, at Comic-Con, and um, I have a very good relationship with, the, with their ad agency. Um, so, so, you know, yeah, hopefully there will be more um, collaborations in the future, and we're doing one right now with a um, with a comic book and graphic novel for a tablet experience. So uh, so yeah, definitely uh, definitely will be be more projects coming out with them in the future. wanted to point that out that's a good song and maybe my um no it's, it's tough you know you ever notice the song comes out in twos like um uh, marry me uh, by train came out around the same time as i think i want to marry you by bruno mars i think people can get those songs m- mixed up and I, 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 i'm not familiar with either of those songs and then you know a few years ago we had this kind of rash of music video or um, songs where the subject was some sort of medical emergency on a dance floor. So you remember, I um, can't remember who was by, but you know, the one evacuate the dance floor. Whoa, whoa, I'm infected by the sound. That one. Syphilis on the dance floor. <laughs> I know that one. Um, and then there was another one that was, I think, by Sean Kingston that was talking about... Uh, is wow. is Sean Kingston and Two Chains the same person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought so. Two Chains uh, just came out with the the music a song that has one of the best titles I've ever heard. I love Dem Strippers by Two Chains. Uh, Director who Benny Boom. Love Dem Strippers. Uh, it's important that love is spelled L U V in that song, because um, you wouldn't know really how he felt without it without that distinction of being spelled like that. Um, yeah. Is that your pick of the week? That is not my pick of the week. It's a bummer. What is? I'll tell you right now. Are we switching over to picks of the week? Yeah, it's time to go over there to them. I want to be where they are, and we're going to go there right now. And I guess I'm going first. Mm-hmm. Um, and where is uh, where's my pick of the week? It was right here. And it In moved. fact, you wait the dance for oh, oh. 
<clears throat> so my pick of the week this week is something that I'm kind of ashamed that does I don't have the tractor info for. I will find it out and post it on there, but I just have searched everywhere. I can't find it. Uh, but it is for the song Natural Thing by the band um, Nobody Beats the Drum. And you may have seen this pop up in a few different places. It went, I guess, hey, it went viral, guys. Uh, it went viral, I guess, in some circles. And it is a simple premise, and that is dogs and cats. Cats especially like to follow lasers. Have you seen this video, Doug? I'm still I'm still on mute because I was laughing at the way you said it went viral. <laughs> hey guys, it went viral. It was a viral I, video. <laughs> I just imagine this kid, this like 23 year old guy sitting on a computer, turning around and saying, "Hey guys, it went viral." Yeah, he's just like keeping track. It's like, oh, finally the cat with the shoelaces went viral, guys. <laughs> Now we're gonna get all that money. Uh, so this one is it's a, it's a techno song. So I've often been really kind of fascinated by the challenge of doing a video for a techno techno video. And I think you know artists like Skrillex, um, and, and and you know guys who are really big have have been able to go to directors that have uh, you know made really interesting narrative compositions. I think that's one way you can go. It's expensive though. And, you know, sometimes when it's, you know, like an electronic band or, you know, electronica song, you know, maybe the budget isn't that huge. And I think this is a great uh, example of using, you know, doing something really simple that is using the Internet's natural inclination to look for these types of clips of animals doing something interesting and, uh, and you, you know, share it around. So it's a really smart video for that way. And it's also a really well put together video because um, the idea is, you know, it's this white box, you're seeing it from the top, and then there's this laser that it gets moved around. And you see different kind of compositions together layered on top of each other of different animals kind of reacting and f trying to follow this laser. They have different animals. They have a dog, a cat, a ferret. Uh, and, you know, as you can imagine, thing moves to side to side the cat's fault fo cat follows it but so it's a really you know funny concept it's funny to see the animals kind of checking this out um, but the thing that pushes it over the edge to me is it uh, you know there's like a lot of techno songs there's this great build-up where you know it keeps getting higher and intensity gets you know, higher and higher and during those things they're doing really great cross cuts between like, the cat staring at this pulsating laser and the laser itself kind of zooming in on each one. So it's a really, um, really entertaining video because I think, you know, sometimes you can go for this concept that may be, uh, you know, geared toward people sharing it or it being kind of with the times of, you know, what's popular. Uh, and that video, this video definitely does this, that, but it, to great, you know, success of effect, I think. But it also is a really kind of well-edited, really well-directed video. So that's my uh, um, pick of the week. I do not have a director for that. I apologize. Is natural thing by nobody beats the drum. Great pick. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> no problem. It's a viral video pick. <laughs> uh, uh, um, my pick of the week is by a man named Mayor Hawthorne. The song is called A Long Time. Um, it's directed by Henry DeMeo. Uh, this video p currently appears um, on our list of music videos that incorporate a classic television show um, because the concept of this video is essentially a um, 
Actually, it's not on the list because I'm not sure this is a real show or not, or if they just faked it. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it set up like a like a local UHF channel from Highland Park, Detroit, in like what appears to be maybe the late '80s or early '90s, and it's just like a local knockoff of Soul Train, essentially. And it it, it really looks like they it's just found footage recut to this kind of. Uh, soulful Mayor Hawthorne song, but it really works. And I think what makes it work is the is the dancing in it. And that's what I'm pretty sure this is actually found footage, and they didn't recreate this. Maybe I should look into it a little bit more. Um, but what this video has a lot of, which I love, and I'm always looking for in music videos, is aggressive dancing. Um, there was aggressive dancing in my pick of the week last week uh, with size Ganyam style, uh, which if you want to talk about a viral video. That one like blew the roof off. That's at lots of views. That went really viral. That was super viral. Um, but uh, also has a super amount of aggressive dancing, which that's a list I know this Mayor Hawthorne video should appear on. Music videos with aggressive dancing. So let me <laughs> I'll make sure to put it on that one. Uh, but uh, it's great. You have to check out this video. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, I'm, I didn't look up whether or not it's found footage or they recreated it because I don't I don't want it ruined. I want it to be found. And so if my if I'm if I'm mistaken, I'll be really, really sad. So either way, great music video for all to enjoy, including you. Check it out. A long time by Mayor Hawthorne. I want the to uh, I want to as we close out this podcast, bring to your attention just one last thing um, in the news. Um, have you, have, did you, have you been around the internet today and read about this whole anal tattoo thing? Uh, I am because it at, originated in South Florida anyway. Exactly. Yes. From the new times in, uh, in Broward Palm Beach, bradpalmbeach.com. This is where this video, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Girl gets butthole tattoo. Uh, I don't know. What's your stance on that, Doug? Well, she she certainly seemed to enjoy she it. Really, she's super into it. Yeah. So whatever, it's what you like. I'm sure that's not the only questionable behavior that went on there. So I mean, they the news they showed up to find weird shit. They didn't know it was going to be anal tattoos, but they knew that they were going to find some weird shit, and uh, they just happened to hit the jackpot instead of just like you know winning a couple hundred bucks. So I, there, I just wanted to mention there's there's a music video uh, 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 connection there. Because that this woman actually appears in a music video for Deuce Let's Get Kraken. Band is Deuce, song is Let's Get Kraken. So um, when you hear her say, when you watch this video, show notes again, she chants something like Deuce, Deuce, Deuce. And there's been speculation that she is on some sort of uh, mind-altering drug, so... People have been asking, you know, what is that? And she's this actually referenced to a music video that she was in. Um, it's not a bad music video, so uh, check it out as well. Inside. Represent for mm -hmm. that video. Always a connection to music video land. If there's a viral video, it's got ties to music video land. Well, that about does it for our number 51 episode. Uh, we got some awesome ones coming up. So stay tuned over the next few weeks. Subscribe to the podcast, filmdinsert.com slash podcast. Um, you can get us on there. You can also get us on Stitcher Smart Radio. Um, check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash filmedinsert, facebook.com slash filmedinsert. Like us on there. We just hit 300. Um, so hey, we're, hey, we're rising up there. 
Um, Get close to those Mayor Hawthorne numbers. Exactly. So uh, check us out there, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Evacuate the dance floor, oh, oh.